All right, let's go to the book of Romans, please. Romans chapter 5. Now I'm just missing my other amener here on this side. He's on vacation this week. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody else has to step in for him, I guess. All right, Romans chapter 5. Moving on uh, slowly through the book of Romans. I want to focus on one subject today. And uh, this subject you'll find throughout the book of Romans. I'm going to touch on a little bit. I'm going to read five verses of scripture. I'm only going to really cover the first two verses, but I want to read all five. It says here in Romans 5, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you that you just give me the power I need to bring forth this message today. I pray it would be simple. I pray it would be effective. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us truly understand your peace this morning. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many blessings for those that have been justified by faith in Christ alone. Uh, In this passage, you'll see that the word justifies, we know know that it means to be just or innocent. Now, if any of us were to be asked, you know, whether we are innocent of sin, practically we'd say, no, sir. I mean, there's not a person I've ever really spoken to other than some smart Alex that didn't want to admit that they were a sinner. And we know we all are. But yet, within that sinful state that we're in, because we trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross in paying for our offenses, and then being raised victoriously from the grave, and us receiving that, we become innocent before God. Now, before men, not so much, because they remember your mistakes, they remember what you've done. But you know what? What really counts is, what God thinks about you. Your salvation is based upon what God thinks about you. And it says you're justified by faith. So that means you have been declared innocent or righteous based upon the fact that you placed your, your, your faith or your persuasion, your moral conviction into what Jesus Christ did for you. And that's all you did. You weren't good, you didn't do good, (laughs) you can't do good, but yet you just simply trusted, and you believed in your heart that Jesus died for you, and you understood that on that cross, when he was suffering, your sin did that to him. That brings a little bit of a reality to our own personal lives. You know, sometimes we think that if, well, you know, if, if, if I'd be the only person on earth, then Jesus wouldn't have to have suffered so much. Can I tell you something? If you were the only sinner on earth, 
he would have had to have gone through exactly what he went through. Now, then it would be personal. Then you'd look at him and say, hey, this is because of me, (laughs) you know. But, you know, in no difference today, you got to look at that and say, you know what? What he went through was because of me. It is personal. You did that to him. You crucified him. He had to do that to save your life, to save you for eternity. This passage here, it begins with the word therefore. So whenever in in the book of uh, any chapter, and that's why sometimes the chapter divisions can somehow throw you off. That's why you got to know the words. The word therefore is always referring back to what we have just learned in the prior chapter. Therefore being justified by faith. And what was the thing referring back to here in Romans chapter 23, 25? It says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So it says if you believe, then you have this righteousness imputed to you. Then he starts off the next chapter saying, Therefore, being justified by faith, being justified by faith. So that's not something you're working towards, that's something that's already happened. We're pointing back to the last chapter, we're saying, guess what? I'm already justified by faith. (laughs) Amen? And now what he's doing is he's giving you some things that are a blessing... Because you are justified by faith. I hope you folks understand that your position in Christ has given you so many great things. And we're just going to look at one of those things today. But in this passage we've seen already, we've seen peace. You wouldn't have peace without Christ. I mean, you have hope. You have purpose in trials. You have the love of God shed abroad in your heart you wouldn't have understood what true love was until you understand what Jesus did on that cross for you. The world thinks they know what love is. They don't understand what love is. The moment they perceive Christ, the Bible says, um, I'm trying to remember it, 1 John 3.16. It's not coming, sorry. Sometimes I recall it and it comes. Sometimes it doesn't, Amen. I'm still trying to remember. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> in Romans 1, 7, right at the beginning of the book, it says this, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our Sunday night series, we've been looking at rebuilding the gates. Now, the city of Jerusalem, what does Jerusalem mean? It means the city of peace. The gates that are in the walls of Jerusalem are gates that are referring to aspects of our life that we've got to introduce into our life in order for us to have truly a peaceful existence on this earth. So today I want to talk to you about two different aspects of peace. The first one's in our text here. Notice what he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. With God. Peace is harmony. It's concord. To have peace or harmony, but to be without trouble. To have no worries, to sit down in one's heart, 
to bind together that which has been separated. So basically, we weren't at peace with God. And now because of our receiving what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, now we have peace with God. The word with really means face to face. See, before you were saved, you couldn't look at God face to face. No way. In fact, the Bible says that anybody would see God face to face, they would die. Because God is holy. But then in Jude, it tells us that to him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glory. So something happened from dying to actually being presented faultless before his glory. So what happened is when you got justified, the enmity, the thing that was against God in you was taken away. So that now you can face God face to face. You have peace with him. Amen? Now this doesn't mean you have the peace of God. A lot of Christians have peace with God, but they don't have the peace of God. Those are two different things, and that's what we're going to look at today. The lost in this world, they have no peace. They talk about peace. They think they know what peace is. <laughs> they don't have a clue. The Bible says in Romans 3.17, And the way of peace have they not known. Isaiah 48.22 says, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. No peace, no harmony, no concord, no togetherness with God to the wicked. They have no peace. Folks, if we're going to have peace, it comes from one source, and that's from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. You're not going to find it down here. (laughs) You're going to look around this garbage can for something special, something divine. You're not going to find it. These people today say, oh, all of us have a little divine in us. I'm sorry, that is not true. That's why in John chapter 1, it says when he came to this world, it says he came unto the world uh, as a light to the world, and the world comprehended it not. The world couldn't understand the light because there was no light. The only light that came into the world was Jesus Christ coming in Bringing it from heaven. Amen? Amen. So if you want something, you want righteousness, it comes from God. You want peace, it comes from God. Anything good comes from God. You're not going to find it here. You're not going to find it at your job. You're not going to find it in your family. As blessed as you are to have a family, you will not find it there. You will find the peace of God when you finally have peace with God. But that peace comes from Him. You won't find it down here. Oh, I feel sorry for people. And I talk to people all the time. We just bought a couch uh, this last week, a used couch, and uh, talked to the person there, and he was lost. He he was a pantheist. He believed that, you know, the spirit was in everything. And, uh, folks, that breaks my heart. You know, as much as you try to think that you can find your peace somewhere in nature or this, that, or the other, this man has no peace with God. And I praise the God, we, we tried to put the e-transferred through and it got lost in cyber world. So I got about 15 minutes of gospel time. 
And then I found out that it didn't even get sent. <laughs> so I called my wife, and then she said it was done in one minute. So the Lord hung it up. He said, you need to park there a while, son. I was able to give the gospel to two individuals there. And you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to bring them to peace with God. One of the interesting things that the Lord brought to my mind, and right off the start, because he said, oh, I just believe God's in everything. I says, you know what? The real importance of believing there is a God that is real, personal, and has attributes is the fact of this. See, without that, you don't understand that he's holy. Also, without that, you don't understand that he is love. But also, without that, you don't understand that he's just. I says, this God that we have, he's not just someone that's in trees. He, he is a God that has all these attributes and his holiness and his love. And he's looking at you and he's saying, I want you to be, have peace with me. But how? I mean, I'm a sinner. <laughs> You're holy, God, I'm not. He says, while well, my love is reaching out to you in the way of mercy, I'm extending mercy to you. Well, you say, Lord, are you just, are you just saying that you just want to uh, forget the things that I've done and just say, hey, it's okay, your, your sin doesn't matter. Oh, no, then he wouldn't be just. You see, the importance of knowing there's a personal God is knowing that when you got saved, no aspect of God was compromised. He was holy, he is love, and he is just. The justice was fulfilled in Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Otherwise, any religion that teaches, well, he'll just forgive you, I say, well, where's the justice? That's compromise. Who would want to follow a God that compromises his holiness just because of love? Love is not a central attribute, even though it is, but we've got to remember that Love will never compromise the holiness of God. Yeah, Think about it this way. Love is not at the center, and His holiness revolves around it. His holiness is at the center, and love revolves around that. Yes. Yes. So we say, I'm not giving up this for this, but I'm providing a way because I love. Amen? Love is him reaching out and saying, I want you to be with me, even though it seems impossible for you to be with me. Because if I would take you the way you are, then my justice would be compromised. See, God's got to be a personal, a personal God to you. That's why in this passage it says you must believe that God raised up Jesus from the, from the grave. You've got to repent towards God first. So if you believe that God's in the trees and in the grass and so forth, you need to repent. Say, no, Lord, you're not just a spirit in the tree. You are a personal God that has holiness and, and, and love and justice and all these attributes and, and immutability and omnipresence and omnipotence, all these attributes of who you are. That's who you are. If you can't get past that, there is no Jesus for you. But if you can see God for who he is, repentance toward God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the Lord says, I'm holy. I love you. Let me show you what my son did. Now he says, I can receive you. 
I can take you based upon the justice served on my son that day. Isn't that great? He did that for you. Amen. He did it for your children. He did it for your grandchildren. <laughs> Those precious little ones that you're going to bring into this world, they already have the opportunity to be saved because of what Jesus did for them. That's wonderful. But the lost doesn't have that. The gospel itself is a message of peace. In Romans 10, 15, it says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So within this message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection is this aspect of how now I can have peace with my God. I can face face to face. When he looks at me, he sees his son and that's all he sees. If he would see just the minutest aspect of my sin, I would die. But now I'm with him face to face. I have peace with God. Amen. The enmity has been slain through Christ. We see that in Ephesians 2 verse 14. It says, For he is our peace who hath made both one, talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and hath broken down the middle of a wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That's the hostility, the reason for opposition. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. The opposition. When Jesus died on the cross, he killed the enemy. The enemy was taken out of the way. So, folks, what you need to understand is when you receive Christ as your Savior, your enmity has been dealt with. It's gone. So this whole thing about losing your salvation, this whole thing about working to keep your salvation, (laughs) what are you doing? The enmity is already slain. It's already dealt with. You're already standing face to face. Therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God. That's what we have. Now, I'm going to look at our second point here. This is the peace of God. Now look at verse number two here. It says, by whom also, so he's adding to these blessings. He's saying, hey, you have peace with God, but by whom also we have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God, you're looking at yourself today and say, yeah, I'm just happy where I am. <laughs> no, you're not. See, you're not happy. You're not satisfied with where you are as a person because you've got a lot of things that need to change in your life. But what he's saying is that by faith, you now have access into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you understand, like I said last time, that the glory of God is really you becoming Christ-like? You know how you give glory to God? It's not by you just saying, oh, I'm going to give God glory for that. Well, that may be a part of it, but you know what truly giving glory to God is? 
living your life like Christ lived. And not just mimicking it, not just pretending, but having an inner renewal that changes you in such a way that you begin to make decisions the way that Jesus makes decisions. And you begin to treat people like Jesus treats people. You love like Jesus loved. You forgive like Jesus forgives. Every time someone hurts you, and you can say to them, I forgive you. In your heart, maybe you don't need to go to them right at that moment. But in your heart, because that's where it counts. I forgive them, Lord. That's an evidence of Jesus working through you. You know what you just did? You gave glory to God. Yeah. See, the Bible says that there's this grace. Grace, you can, the acronym is God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything God has for you at, because of what Christ did for you is given in this thing called grace. Every one of us need different graces at different times. And the first Peter talks about the manifold grace of God. Manifold is multi-ported. An exhaust manifold has many ports. An intake manifold on the vehicle has many ports going in to bring air in and so forth. And so when it says manifold grace, grace has many ports. Grace has many ways that it works in your life, and that's how you stand. The first time you met grace is when you actually realized you were a sinner. And you humbled yourself before God, and also what you saw was the grace of salvation. (laughs) For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the first time you touched grace, was the day you got born again. But guess what? That's not the only time you need grace. (laughs) Because the day after, you know what happened? You got discouraged. The devil came. Oh, you want to be a child of God, do you? Trying to ruin your testimony. Trying to bring back the old friends and the old acquaintances and the old habits and the old filth that you used to enjoy as a lost person. And he's bringing all... And you know what you need for that? Grace. Or maybe there's someone in your life that betrayed you. You know what you need for that? Grace. You need the grace to forgive. So what he's saying here, not only do you have peace with God, but you have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So anybody that will say as a Christian, I know I'm saved, but I just can't handle this anymore. No, what you're really saying is, I'm not going to access the grace of God. Anybody here that says, I'm I'm just going to (laughs) quit because I, I just can't go forward. No, it's not because you can't go forward. It's just that you refuse to access the grace of God wherein you stand. See, because there's a way to access God's grace. He giveth grace unto the humble. You know what it is we lose God's grace in our life? Is when we no longer see ourselves for how we truly are before our God. We start thinking we're too big for our britches. Amen. We start thinking, hey, I got this Christian life all wrapped up. I know how to do Hey, you can't tell me what to do. I, I've been saved longer than you. Lord just saying, wow. You need to get back where you were the day you got saved. 
See, that's where the grace came. And he only giveth grace unto the humble. Not humble to me. You don't have to come to me and say, oh, preacher, I'm just such a bad person. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. But you have to say that to God in your heart. See, when you say that to God in your heart, you're not trying to impress anybody or put on a show. That's when you're just honestly saying, you know, God, I am pretty much a worm and no man. I don't know why you waste your time with me, but I'm so glad you do. I don't know why you love me, but I am so glad you do. I don't even know why you'd want me in your family, but I'm so glad you do. Oh, you keep your heart like that before God every day. He says, oh, you got an enemy coming up against you. Let me give you the grace. Let me give you the grace where you can stand. Or maybe you got a a doctor that says, hey, you got this sickness. You got a broken foot. (laughs) You know what you need? grace you know what i needed here i need grace every time something happens in our life every time something brings you a point oh lord i just don't know if i he says guess what (laughs) you need to access the grace over and over he gives you the opportunity to access his grace by faith but you have to do that means if you have this faith where you're going to go forward today and say you know what i need this lord i'm facing this trial have you guys ever had to face something that you did not look forward to? Doesn't that happen all the time? <laughs> you know, sometimes they're saying, I'm dreading the next time I have to face something that I'm forward to. You know, when, when this happened to my knee, I got this infection on a Thursday night, And I thought, oh, you know, my knee's just a little sore. They'll give me some antibiotics if I go to the emergency. And then I realized, oh, this is a little bit more than I thought. Well, we got to give you antibiotics in the hospital okay well i'm not really enjoying this i i surrender this is what the lord wants and then as i'm lying there a surgeon comes in he says you know we gotta rip apart your knee again i say what that was another hit so that was another time i had to access the grace of god i say lord you know i can't do this again lord says yes you can I just had to continue accessing. And the next day, I had to access something else. That's what you do every day of your life. <laughs> you're facing something today that you weren't facing tomorrow. Or you're going to face something tomorrow that you're not facing today. Guess what? You don't even understand the grace that you need. But you just have to praise God that because you're justified by faith in Christ, you have peace with God, and you also have access into the grace. So a Christian can say, I can't. <laughs> That's why in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How does he strengthen you? Where does that come from? It's called grace. Notice it doesn't say, I can do all things through Who strengtheneth me? Which strengtheneth me? So I'm not just going to lie around and wait for Jesus to strengthen me. But what he's saying is, is as I'm facing these situations that I don't have strength for, you keep your heart right, I'll continue to grant you strength, situation after situation after situation, your whole life, because you trust me. So where does the peace of God come from? 
The peace of God comes when you truly understand that concept right there. See, you're not, playing, you're not living life like, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it works out. <laughs> you know, that's a bad way to live. I hope it works out. <laughs> Do you understand that the Lord has already worked it out? Whatever you're going through, it's already been worked out. It's just whether you're going to access the grace of God or not. It's worked out. Let me ask you this. I mean, folks, you're sitting here today. Have you ever faced something you thought you'd never get through? Are you here today? Really? Are you here? <laughs> oh, so you must have got through. Do you think it'd be different next time? With God, it's not only that you get through, but with God, it's that you grew better than you were before. And the, the bad of the situation doesn't dictate how much better you get. Yeah. It's all about you growing and becoming what God wants. But in order to have the peace of God, you must walk in the Spirit. See, the Spirit is where that grace comes from, that peace comes from. I think being saying I'm spirit-filled is saying I'm grace-filled. The moment I reject God's grace, go through something, and I, instead of going through it, I, I have an emotional tantrum. I dog. I do whatever. I get mad at my spouse. I say, oh, I'm quitting, or I'm going to go pout and suck my thumb in my bedroom. But at that point, what I'm doing is I'm refusing to go into the access. Yeah. That's what's happening. That's why many times a sign of emotional trauma or your emotional re reaction is a sign that you truly don't understand the grace that God has for your life. Some people think that instead of uh, trusting God in a situation, if I just lose it, somehow things will change. I'm sorry, you're just making things worse. Yeah. <laughs> now I understand, ladies, you, you're an emotional creature. I, we know that. Who cries first? The husband? <laughs> Probably not, maybe. <laughs> and so you got to be careful. But isn't that something you find most times in a family that it's the wife is the first one to actually start trusting God? Maybe it's because she knows she needs it. Us men, were so logical. It's like, I can figure this out. You know, your wife comes to you, I got a problem. Tell it to me. I'll give you the answer. And we're just stupid. Like I said, sometimes we could be a real knucklehead. You know, sometimes your wife doesn't need you to just figure it out. She just wants to talk to you. And have you listen without looking at your phone or going golfing or else, you know. But anyways, walking with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8, 3, it says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So basically, as a Christian, you're expected to walk after the Spirit. But many times... What happens? The flesh. And that's when you have the reaction. 
Instead of responding to situations by committing them to the Lord, what we do is we react on the, on the fly. Something happens like immediately we lose our temper. That's why uh, a person that is angry, what they're really doing is showing how little they trust God. If you're the person that loses your temper, I know what didn't happen. <laughs> you didn't go to God with that problem. You're facing it in the flesh. <laughs> and the wrath of God, man worketh not the righteousness of God. So here it says, For they that are after the flesh, bind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded, death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So for me to have peace, I need to be spiritually minded. Amen? Now we know from studying in the past that being spiritually minded is being scripturally minded. Spirit and scripture are equal. That means you don't have any more of the spirit than you do of the scripture. That means if this is much scripture you got in your soul, the spirit will just fill in that little spot right there. <laughs> but when you open up your heart to live a scripture-filled life, then the spirit of God will fill you because he's got something to work with. It's not just a force that takes you over no matter what you're living like because someone slaps you on the head. The Spirit controls you to the extent that you have submitted to the Word of God. They walk hand in hand. Amen? And so just so you know that, you've got to be spiritually minded. Now I'm going to go forward. We'll be done. To have the peace of God, we must have faith that God is watching over our lives. One patient I had when I was a kid, some of the... Um, situations that we faced when I was a child was not ideal and it made me to be very introverted it caused me to be very just I don't trust anybody you know I don't want to be around people I, it, it kept me from communicating I couldn't look people in the eye and so we had a traumatic thing that would happen you know like my brother was killed in the midst of this other trauma that was going on in our lives and I remember one time I just asked God, it says, God, give me a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, every kid should pray for a motorcycle. Now, this is a little different because um, God was showing me something here. In my situation of withdrawing myself from others, uh, handling trauma in a way that I did. And so what he was trying to teach me is not something he was going to teach me that moment. In fact, only be... Uh, over a decade later that he would show me why he did and so what happened is my dad came home one day and he says hey get in the truck I'm going to buy you a motorcycle I was like huh because <laughs> that's one thing I learned to do is just never ask dad for stuff never did I just, I just, I just remember praying God I need a motorcycle I guess that's the way I want to be free or <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but here's my opportunity he brought me to the motorcycle shop and he goes in there there's a Harley Davidson there's a he's which one you want one I said that's too big for me dad I'm only 12 years old <laughs> and so I picked out a Honda 185 XL exactly right for me at that time 
Anyways, the motorcycle is not really the important thing. <laughs> but you know, later on in life, as I was processing some of the things I've gone through, trying to re- remove some of the, the ceilings that I had put in my life, you know, because you do that, right? Some of you guys got a ceiling here, and no matter how much you try to succeed, you keep bumping your head on it, and you feel, well, I'm just a failure because I can't. Well, it's not because of that. It's just that you believe something that wasn't true. And that lie became a barrier to keep you from truly becoming what God wanted you to be. So this became real to me, and I understood that there was something that was keeping me from experiencing all the peace that I was supposed to have. And so as I began to examine this, you know what the Lord did? He showed me that motorcycle. I was kind of like, what? Basically, what he was saying is, I was there your whole life. I had never left your side. See, many of us believe that there's a real God. Many of us believe that there's a real God that actually loves. But some of us have a... We believe there's a God that cares. We've seen him care. But we have a problem believing that God cares for you, for me. So decades later, he said, remember that little prayer? I wasn't even saved. And he gave me that motorcycle. And he gave it to me so that in 15 or so years, he could come back to me and say, see, I was there. And in that same moment, he took that ceiling above my head and he broke it. See, the peace of God is knowing that you've got God over you every second of the day. See, you ever look at your situations and it's unfair. It's, all you're doing is saying, I don't believe God cares about my life. You get bitter at someone that's hurt you. All you're saying is, I don't believe that God cares about my life. And that's why we don't have peace. When he says we have access. And our whole life, we look at the door. We know the Bible says there's a door. But we don't walk through because we're too bitter. We're, we're too angry about the situations we're going through. We're caught up in this unfair attitude. We've made ourselves a victim. You are not a victim. There is not a thing that has happened in your life that God did not allow to happen to you. And when he allowed it to happen, he says, you know what? You are going to come through this in victory if you will trust me. 
But for you to sit, slither back, put your thumb in your mouth, and quit is for you to say, I don't believe God cares. When he has done nothing but show you over and over and over again that he cares for you. And I wouldn't doubt if you would look hard enough, you'll find your motorcycle in your life. You'll find that time where you say, you know what, God, you were there that day. (laughs) Why would he have been there for me then and not here for me now? He's always with us. Amen? Especially since you've had peace with him. You know what, when I was at enmity with God, he gave me the motorcycle. Because he knew that I was going to be his child. A lot of people, they mistake God's presence in their life for salvation. Well, God's always been with me. (laughs) You only get saved by putting your faith in Christ. Not because you've had God with you. By God's grace, he was there when you were a child. He kept you from going through things. In fact, the Bible says that every one of these children, whether they're saved or not, has an angel looking over them. And they report before the Father in heaven. That just shows you what kind of God we have. Loves us. Amen. Now there's a passage here. I just want to leave this with you. Philippians 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Always? Always. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What that means is the Lord is close. Moderation means not like this. (laughs) It means like this. Let them see that you're balanced because you know that God is through every step of the way. And rejoice always, even in the hardest of times. Rejoice. But then he goes on to give us this instruction for when we struggle. It says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That's the access. And the peace of God, which pass all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? So when does the peace of God come? When you access his grace. Say, well, I'm saved. I should feel better. (laughs) Your salvation just made you at peace with God. But the reason why you don't have the peace of God is because there's something trusting God in in this life. So, first step is to make a choice. Stop being anxious about your life. You guys ever worry? How many here have never worried in their life other than the trolls? (laughs) All of us. You know that all worrying you did, how much did it accomplish? Wow. It's amazing. We so much attention to something that absolutely does nothing. Your worry accomplished zero. So the Lord says, be careful for nothing. The word careful is to be just simply to be, uh, I got the, got it somewhere here. It's, it's Anxiety to care, to be anxious, to be troubled about things. 
We have to catch ourselves when we're worrying. <laughs> and understand that we are not being obedient to the Lord if we, are not, if we are being careful or anxious about things. We are being disobedient. Because the command is, be careful for nothing. Jesus put it like this, take no thought for your life. So you got to make a choice. So the first thing is choice. The second is thankfulness. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When you're thankful, you're understanding deeper truths about your situation of life. A person that all they see is the trouble, and then all they do is sit there and complain. I remember in the hospital, there was one guy, uh, I was in this ward where I think we, we had gone through three sets or four sets of people by the time I left. But one guy, this is the third time he had his knee on. And that's all we heard about. I can't believe it. <laughs> then his wife said something. Well, you should open it. I mean, he was just, then he said, oh, this other doctor said I was abusing my wife. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. I really didn't want to talk to that guy. He was just so bitter. He just couldn't understand why he was where he was. He was not thankful in any way whatsoever. You to lie in that hospital bed and to look up into heaven and thank you is for you to understand something far deeper about what you're going through than simply what you're going through. You understand there's a God that cares. You understand there's a God that's in control. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here because of a mistake. God has me in this place for a reason. And so you say, thank you. You don't know what it is. You don't understand all the deep things, but you know to say thank you because you have faith in your God. Amen. So thankfulness, you got to have thankfulness. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That means you're offering your prayers to God in the middle of a troubled time, and you're not grateful, he's saying, sorry, shipment not received. I always tell people, you get your poems, you pack them into the box of thankfulness, you ever have those people, you got it this way, you got to have it in this kind of box. It's like they don't want you to send it back. Put this label here, this label there, this label there. Turn it upside down three times, fold it this way. And then they send it back because you didn't do it right. Well, God's saying, if you want me to give you peace, that prayer has got to be in that box of thankfulness. If you're not thankful, no peace. So you got to choose, and you got to be thankful. And number three, you got to pray. In that moment, you got to turn your heart to God. I'm not talking about praying for an hour or two hours. I'm just saying you've got to access that throne. you got to go into presence with that box. Say, Lord, thank you. I don't understand. I really need your grace right now. And I'm thankful for what you get this. But I, I need some peace in my heart. That's how you get it. 
Prayer. Commit every situation of life to the Lord in prayer. Fourth, choose to think right. The next passage you see in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what the greatest trouble we have in church is? When people don't do this verse. Pastor, this person... I think this person did this. I know what they're thinking. I know behind those eyes of yours. Judging hearts and motives because you know. I heard the situation. This is how it must have happened. Imaginations. Impure thoughts. Accusations. Trying to hurt people with your words. You'll never have peace in your life. Never. You want peace, you've got to start thinking on the right things. Instead of tearing that person down, start looking at the positive things and start lifting them up. And then maybe even go to somebody else and say, hey, can I tell you about that person? They're pretty good at this. I really appreciate that guy. Instead of, hey, do you see what they're doing? <laughs> You'll never have peace. You're a gossip. Tailbearer. No peace. That personal thought life is so vital. Your worry is based on thoughts. They're untrue and dishonest. Why do you worry? Well, I don't have enough money to pay this bill. <laughs> Your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, my friend. Maybe God's just putting you in a position where you can finally make a decision by faith. Maybe he wants you to say, you know what, Lord? There's no way to take care of this. This is outside of my power. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to thank you. because I know you're not going to forsake me. You love me. You love my family. And you know what? As much as I cannot pay this bill, I'm excited to see what you're going to do for me. Because you love me. Thank you, Lord. Say, oh, no, that's faith. Oh, no, you did not even touched faith yet. Do you understand Folks, we need to approach things differently. But we allow our minds and the imaginations to run wild. Oh, if I can't pay this, they're going to come and take away this. I've had so many people call me over the years. Oh, you got to pay my hydro bill. They said they're going to cut us off. It's the middle of winter. We're going to freeze to death. What do you do as a preacher? Pay the hydro bill? <laughs> you feel like it. <laughs> but no. You know what I do? I just say, have you talked to them? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, have you actually called the hydro company and said, hey, this is what, where we're at? And you know what? They did it, and it was okay. But all the nations, worry, 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 popping pills, <laughs> trying to bring peace to our heart that you can't get from pills. You've got to get it from God. Amen to think truthful thoughts also number five choose to do what the bible says the reason why people don't have peace today because they're disobedient <laughs> this is what the apostle paul said those things which you have both learned and received 
and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So it's saying you follow the example. You do what the Bible says. And the God of peace shall be with you. I'll tell you, obedience goes a long way. If there's some area of your life right now where you're not being obedient to the Lord, I'll tell you something. You don't have peace in your heart. You have peace with God, but you don't have the peace of it. So let me ask you this. Would you be willing to confess that as and go to the Lord and say, you know what, I'm tired of always worrying. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm fearing this, I'm fearing that, simply because I don't trust you. When my whole life is in his hands, he's been following me every day of my life. He got me the motorcycle, he got me many different things, just to show me that he was with me. Why would I doubt that today? That bill, I, I, sometimes CRA, they're the worst, aren't they? Canada Revenue Agency, you get this bill, you're saying, what in the world? Lord, <laughs> you know, I can't pay this. God is allowing it. Every situation like that is testing you whether you can turn your heart to the Lord and access that grace. That's what we need to do. So I don't know if there's a situation you're dealing with right now, but all I'm saying is you want to have peace about it, you've got to access that grace by faith. It's not going to make sense just because you know who God is. He's sovereign. He's in control. And he's very, very good. And he loves me. And I'm just going to do what God asked me to do. And you know what I believe? God is going to take care of me. Thank you. I'm preparing my shipping box. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're here with me. Take all those problems, all that garbage, you know, all those thoughts about this, that, or the other, and just put it in the box, pack it up, tape it up, Go into the throne room, access, and just drop it in front of him, and he'll take it, and you'll never see it again. But then he offers you a package back. He says, that'll give you peace. That's beyond understanding. Don't try to understand it. You won't. But because he brought that problem to me in that box, I'm going to put my peace around your heart to protect you. It's going to protect your thoughts. It's going to protect your future. It's going to protect you in your reactions to people. You're just going to say, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> I'm calm. I'm quiet. Amen? Is that where you're at today?